0: Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. This is usually where I say I'm here because Pastor Fields on vacation, but he's not. He's here with us. Uh, I asked if I could give a, one of the Christmas messages this month. And so Pastor Don graciously allowed me to give him the day off. And uh, if you'd open up to Matthew uh, chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. Uh, I entitled it, Being a Follower of Jesus is Difficult. I know it doesn't sound like a typical Christmas passage, but I hope you'll see what I see as we exegete this passage. If you'd pray with me. Father, we ask that you would be with us this morning, that you would teach us, convict us, and guide us through this passage in Matthew. Lord, as we celebrate your birth, Father, we also still look towards, towards the cross, and to the salvation that your birth and your death and your resurrection brought to us. And we thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. So it starts off, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. As I said, this isn't one of the typical uh, Christmas passages, but I want to I look at it and focus in on something that uh, I think we miss if we just gloss over it. In this passage, we have two of the first followers of Christ, Mary and Joseph. I know sometimes we think followers of Christ, we immediately go to the apostles. Uh, But we have Mary and Joseph really are the, the two of the first. And in this passage, we see a glimpse into what it cost them to be the follower and the difficulties they endured as they followed him. What this passage doesn't tell us, really, is much about the birth of Jesus. We see that in uh, more detail in Luke. Uh, this, passage, this passage instead tells us where Jesus came from. And it tells the story through the eyes of Joseph and its perspective that it's easy to read over, especially if we think we know the rest of the story. So in this verse, it starts off in 18, trouble starts right at the gate, doesn't it? Uh-oh, Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. It's got to be a devastating blow to their marriage, uh, relationship, because guess what? He knows it's not his baby. Uh, This is a big problem, isn't it? It's huge. Well, during this period of Jewish culture, marriages had essentially two stages. Uh, Stage one was the betrothal, and stage two, the physical marriage. In Jewish society, uh, a betrothal a betrothal renders the bride and groom a full-fledged husband and wife. However, the bride and groom are not permitted to live together or be together until the second stage of the marriage, the physical part. During this first stage, uh, the only way out is through a divorce. So they truly are married, and this stage lasts about a year. As I was studying this, I was thinking, I'm so glad I didn't have to do that. (laughs) Becky and I dated for six months, and then I proposed to her, and we were married six months later. Some people thought that was quick. I thought, well, I don't want her to escape. (laughs) Because she probably would have. One of the reasons, some of the reasoning behind this betrothal stage was it gave time for them to learn... To love, to trust, and to respect each other. It also gave the husband time to prepare a home for them. But one of the other reasons, one of the bigger reasons, is this patrol that was a year long, was to ensure that the groom and his fa- to the groom and the family that the bride was pure and had remained faithful to her husband with no surprises like an unexpected pregnancy. So guess what? This is where we're at. We're at this betrothal stage, and uh uh-oh, what? Somebody's pregnant. Mary. This is the worst possible case scenario for Joseph. Just imagine how painful, uh, how humiliating this had to have been for him. And not only that, but his anger. I mean, he had to be angry about the situation. The girl you've been waiting for, preparing to spend the rest of your life with, announces she's pregnant and not only get this she claims she's still a virgin that the holy spirit's responsible that's quite a story to ask somebody to believe isn't it that's crazy well here's mary's situation she has this crazy story about a virgin that she's a virgin and pregnant at the same time she knows it's the truth but how can she convince Joseph of this? She must have had the strongest confidence in God. She had to have complete trust in him in order to get through this. That's the only thing that could have gotten her through this. I say, I've say i said this a hundred times, a million times probably. I don't know how people get through this life without Christ, without God. Uh, because we have these situations where that's the only thing that can get us through, is to rely on him. And she knows that her reputation, is going, her honor is going to be destroyed because of this situation. But not only hers, but her family's as well. So Joseph hears her explanation, and guess what? He responds. I'm sure this isn't the way Mary expected him to respond, to hear. After all, she's trusting in God. But Joseph, being a just man... Joseph really only has one choice. And the law requires it of him. He has to divorce her. There's really no other out. This is what he has to do if he wants to be a just man. So he resolves to divorce her quietly. But he didn't want to cause her additional shame. But he, he knows he has to divorce her. So he wants to do it quietly. But a miraculous thing happens during this period. As he was considering all these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel called him son of David. He was reminding reminding Joseph of his heritage, reminding him that he's a son of a king, that he doesn't need to fear. He was encouraging him. Just as we are sons and daughters of a true king, we also not to fear. And the other thing Joseph did, he immediately obeyed. He knew the repercussions that would follow. But he did what was commanded of him anyways. Following Christ is hard. Do you ever wonder why God did it this way? It would have been so much easier just to, be, just to live an easy life, wouldn't it? The circumstance that Mary and Joseph found themselves in, guess what? It did ruin their reputation. The angel, he didn't show up and explain the situation to everybody else. There was no news bulletin, or I guess it would be a new scroll. Everyone else from that point on had to think of Mary as impure. The betrothal was not hidden. The scripture says she was found to be with child, so she was obviously showing. There was no hiding what was going on. There was no hiding this. There was never any clarification or vindication. And in fact, we read in later on in John 8, uh, verse 41, Christ's birth is still questioned. The Pharisees are talking to Christ and they say to him, They said to him, we were were not born of sexual immorality. So 30 years later, the shame was still following Mary. This pregnancy ruined both their reputations in the community. Mary and Joseph, they didn't get their storybook wedding. I'm sure they desired. And it wasn't become of some over-the-top in-laws or a drunk groomsman. It was by Jesus himself. It was by this baby in a manger. And for a time, they even had to flee their homeland. They had to give up everything they, they knew and to relocate. This da- doesn't sound like living your best life now, does it? This doesn't sound like uh, all your dreams fulfilled, everything's hunky-dory. No. Unfulfilled dreams, sacrifice, ridicule, shame. That's what's going on. That, that's this life that they're heading into. And we can see In this passage, a pattern that God has laid out from Jesus' birth. A pattern that reveals what it looks like to follow him. A life of self-denial and obedience. Verse 25 tells tells you that Joseph didn't know Mary until after the birth of Jesus. Not only that, he he waited another year in the betrothal. After the betrothal, he, excuse me, not only did he have to wait a year in betrothal, he waited even longer for the birth. We have men and women, not only in our world, but in the church, in Christianity, that's not willing to deny themselves of their fleshly passions and desires until they're married. They give in to their own selfish desires regardless of what scripture commands us to do we have a culture forgotten what it means to deny ourselves and to wait for anything this instant gratification society that we live in they want it now and they want it their way we want it our way we want financial security now we don't want to wait to we don't want to have to save money we just want it all at once we want an inheritance a lottery ticket, some sort of windfall, even a handout. Nobody, is, nobody lately, it seems, anymore wants to start out at minimum wage and work their way up. They just want to start at the top. That's too much work. People want their forever homes now. They don't want a starter home. They don't want an apartment. They don't want a rental they want the best stuff right now, and they don't want to work for it. You may say to yourself, this isn't me. But this instant gratification at society, it's creeped into our lives as well, and we don't even notice. Think about how you feel when you're asked to pull ahead at a fast food restaurant for just a couple minutes for your triple cheeseburger. <laughs> You might not get truly upset, though I've seen videos on the internet where people do, and it's crazy. And I've got a friend of mine that works in this industry, and the stories he tells is ridiculous. Uh, But if you're honest with yourself, don't you just get a little upset? Don't you just get a little perturbed because you're inconvenienced? Because you were asked to pull ahead? that it's slowing your day down. We hate to be inconvenienced for anything. We're so busy serving ourselves that we do not want to serve Jesus because it's too hard. It's too inconvenient. There's many people that volunteer here at the church. They sacrifice their time away from family and friends to do the mundane things like mowing the lawn, fixing things. And then we mentor people, teaching kids, learning music to prepare for the service, going on outreaches, wrapping and collecting gifts for the angel tree, cooking dinners for people, cleaning up after the Christmas party that we had. And there's so many other things that people sacrifice their time for. It's not convenient. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. It's rarely, if ever, convenient to serve Christ and His church. It's so much easier to listen to the sermon and leave. Getting involved is inconvenient. Serving Christ is inconvenient. It's hard. It's denying yourself of what you want in order to do what Christ wants. Mary and Joseph had to give up everything for Christ. Just as the apostles did when Jesus called them. Just as we are to do when he calls us. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to do things his way, not yours. And yes, even if it means denying yourselves of the pleasures that you want. It also means that you'll have to endure and possibly face persecution like Christ did, like the apostles did, like Mary and Joseph did. I, uh, my first job out of college, my career job, first career job, was I was working at a tool and dive shop. I've told a few people different stories when I worked there. It was in Williamston. I was one of the design engineers. Uh, We, doesn't matter, but we designed uh, extrusion blow molds for bottles and plastic things and different things like that. But the day I started there, I decided I wanted to let everyone know I was a Christian. Uh, That way I couldn't hide. I was accountable for how I acted there. I thought, this is how it should be. I quickly uh, regretted that. (laughs) Sort of. I was kind of shocked at what happened, how I was treated. Those of you that work in a shop probably uh, already know what happened. I was immediately mocked and ridiculed for my faith in Christ in my service. I'd never experienced that. When I was in college, I joined the Christian groups. I'd done the things with that. And then I'd, I worked at local fast food restaurant in town here, and the owner was a Christian, so that was great. And going to church, I just was really never in a spot where something like this could happen. So I was pretty shocked. Uh, And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It just wasn't that day. It was constant. And it was pretty brutal. In fact, it got to a point where just for a split second, I thought, I I just wanted to end it all. I remember this one instance at work, the shop list the, the shop listened to a very popular radio station, and they had the most foul mouth morning show that I, I'd ever heard. I refused to listen to it, and I was very adamant about not listening to it. Uh, I wanted nothing to do with it. So when it was on, I would put on my headphones. I had the Sony Walkman, if you guys remember those, and I had plenty of Petra tapes. If, uh, that dates me. Uh, And I'd just go to work on my computer. Well, the radio station had this gimmick that, where you you would call in and give them the phone number of a person that didn't listen to them. And then they would call them and try to convince them to listen. Uh, From the chuckles, I guess a few of you have already figured out what happened. You guessed it. Someone at the shop thought it would be hilarious to uh, send them my office line number. And they did. So I get this call one morning. And I answer it, and immediately the shop goes quiet. There wasn't a machine running. You could hear a pin drop. I mean, it was silent. And I'm like, oh, boy. Everything in me, I just wanted to hang up. I just wanted, I didn't want to deal with it. But I didn't. I hung on. I listened to what they had to say, and I told them that I didn't agree with what they promoted on the air, I thought it was inappropriate, and I also told them that I respected, though, that they had a right to broadcast what they wanted to a certain degree, but I also had the right not to listen. They responded with, well, you have to listen. They play at your shop. And I told them, no, actually, I don't. I do indeed have a choice. Uh, when, you were on, when they were on, I would put on my headphones and I'd listen to Christian music. And then I also shared the gospel with them. This radio DJ said at the end of this, he said he really appreciated what I had to say. And he asked me to go out and have a drink with him sometime. And even though I told him I wouldn't listen to him, I told him I'd pray for him. And then I thanked him for the call and I hung up. The entire shop was staring at my office, through my glass door in my office. My nerves were shaky. Uh, I'm like... What's going to happen next? Then a few guys came to my office and said, man, you really gave it to him. Good job. And they patted me on the back and they said, I held my ground. Good for you. And I thought, finally, some change. Guess what? Didn't change a thing. Next day, later that afternoon, they were right back on it. Picking on me, mocking me. Uh, If anything, actually got worse. It got so bad that I couldn't take it anymore. I finally found another job. And after I left that job, I can tell you this, I was very tempted to not tell them I was a Christian. But I didn't. I couldn't. I told them. For years at Calvary, we haven't been very vocal in the community. We've stayed within our four walls. But over the past couple of years, we as a church have gotten, gotten very vocal Uh, in our community and what the Bible teaches about sin. And guess what? This has upset some people in our community by pointing out sin in its midst. And they don't like it. We've had people get mad. Uh, We've had people steal the letters off our church sign. We've had people take pictures in front of our church sign. Uh, And we've we've been publicly ridiculed. More than once I've been asked, you go to that church? I'm like, yes, I do. We've been persecuted, slandered for teaching biblical truths. And granted, these couple of illustrations that I'm sharing, they're dropping the bucket as compared to what Joseph and Mary endured. But I think it illustrates something very important, that people still persecute those that follow Christ. Now, it would be easier to just stay quiet and stay to ourselves. But if we're going to follow Christ in a world that is against him, like Mary and Joseph did, we need to be prepared to be misunderstood, to be mistreated, maligned, and persecuted for it. 2 Corinthians 12, 19-10 says... Uh, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I am content with weakness, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak then I am strong. Just as Joseph responded to the angel's message with obedience, we must also respond to Christ's message to us with obedience. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of age. In order to make disciples... We have to share the gospel with others. Sharing the gospel is rarely, if ever, easy, unless you're passing candy canes out at a gold parade. That's pretty easy. But it, it takes effort to get there, doesn't it? To step out of your comfort zone, to be inconvenienced of not watching TV that night by showing up at church and go standing out in the cold. So see, even if, though the act is easy, the preparation isn't. And when sharing the gospel, it takes everything in me to talk to strangers about Christ. And I know a lot of you know me. Really? How can that be? He talks all the time. But it is. I don't want to do it. Why? I feel like I imagine Mary did when she had to tell Joseph that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We got this fantastic message to share that's unbelievable, that a baby was born in a manger, that he grew and that he was crucified on the cross and he rose again and he died, you know, for our sins. And I think to myself, will they? Or why would they believe it? So why do I share the gospel then? Because I, as, just like Joseph, I want to be obedient to the message that God gave him and God gave us. As followers of Christ, we're commanded to make disciples, regardless of how we feel. When I share the gospel with someone, I also want to make sure that that person I'm talking to understands that this is the most important message that they will ever hear, and I want them to understand what it means to follow him. Repentance is turning away from sin. It's turning away from your desires, from yourself, and turning to Christ just as Mary and Joseph did. To follow Jesus, you have to have a strong grasp on why he's worth it. Because when the hard times comes, and they will, like they did for Joseph and Mary, if you're not 100% sold out to him, you won't stay committed. A friend of mine and I, we used to teach a Bible study at a drug rehab center in Flint. Some of you know that. I was doing it when I first started coming here. One night we were teaching on this very subject that it's hard to follow Christ. That to come to Christ doesn't mean you'll get health and wealth and all your dreams fulfilled. It means that you're coming to a life that you'll have to deny yourself and your wants for God. We share that to follow Christ, to respond to the gospel, is a call to self denial, not a call to self fulfillment. This there's this guy there, this man, he started going crazy. It was really, literally, he was just bananas. He was so angry. He was yelling at us. He said he was only in Christianity for the bennies. And that is an exact quote. He was in it for the peace, for the prosperity. You know, the easy life, the health and the wealth. He got so mad at us when we kept trying to explain to him what following Christ was, he actually just got up and walked out and he was screaming and yelling on the way out. He got so mad that we found out the next week, he left the program. I thought they were going to kick us out because we had made this guy so mad. That wasn't the case. They they couldn't believe just as we did that this guy was just so set off. I also found it ironic though, while he was proclaiming the so-called easy life, He was sitting in a drug rehab facility trying to get his life back together. So what he was doing wasn't working. There was another time I witnessed to a guy in Chicago at a Subway restaurant. I actually bought his meal for him. And for 20 or 30 minutes, I shared the gospel with him and and talked to him. And then we went our separate ways. And uh, a few minutes after I left a restaurant, he chased me down on the street And he asked me something. He goes, I messed up my life. I messed up my family life. I let alcohol and drugs destroy my relationship with my wife and my kids. And he told me, in fact, today is his kid's birthday. He said, so if I do this God thing, will I get my family back? This guy was in tears. He was truly broke over what he had done to his family everything in me wanted to tell him yes but i couldn't i told him i don't know i really don't know but what i do know is there's a father that misses you more than you miss your family he then turned and walked away i pray i pray for him a lot I don't know what he did. I hope that he repented and gave his life to Christ. I wish I had also told him that without turning to Christ, he had really no hope of lasting change. Joseph had to believe the impossible and risk everything in it. He had to trust God that this fabulous, fantastic story about a virgin becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit was true. Then he had to live his life out in obedience to the truth that he just trusted in. I can only imagine how many times he was tempted just to chuck it all. But the angel's message of do not fear, the promise he knew, was from God. But it wasn't a promise that nothing bad will happen. It was a promise that says do not fear. This is my plan. This is God's plan. And I will be with you. He is, after all, Emmanuel, God with us. He's the one who will save his people from their sins. Joseph trusted in this message. He received from God just as we should. This morning, have you placed your trust in God? Or are you trusting in yourself? If you find this morning that you lack the motivation to really go all in, to follow Jesus all the way, with everything you are, 100%, the good news is you don't need to strengthen your resolve. You don't have to will yourself to do a better job. All you have to do is Surrender. Surrender to God's will. This is the last time in uh, the Gospel of Matthew that we, that we really hear about Joseph. We don't know too much more about him. Uh, by the time Jesus is an adult, he's no longer around, which means he most likely died. But he passed on a type of legacy to us, and that's how to follow Jesus. And I hope that's what you see in this passage. That's what I got out of it. So in order to call yourself a follower, you must repent of your sins. You have to turn away from them and deny yourself. You have to place your faith and absolute trust in him and then take up his cross and follow him. The good news... And the greatest gift ever given is that, he won't, is that he will not only save you from the punishment of sin, which is eternity in hell, he'll also be with you and guide you along the way, just like he did for Joseph, just like he did for Mary, just like he did for the apostles, and just like he's done for every follower. He'll be with you for every step of the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this pattern, this guide that you've given us, that you've never left us, that you've always been with us. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son that you've given us. Lord, and as we remember that during this Christmas season, the birth of Christ, Lord, we also remember Easter, in the death and the resurrection of Christ. Father, we thank you for this gift of eternal life that you've given your followers. Help us to be a better follower. Help us to lead others to you. Help us to share the gospel. And Father, we thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen.